0: Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. To say that the world of healthcare and health services are constantly evolving would probably be considered by many in the know to be somewhat of an understatement. Ailments as far as the diagnosing, treating, and recovery options continue to evolve at near breakneck speeds, pardon the pun, seemingly matching the pace of scientific breakthroughs and technological advancements we've grown accustomed to from living within the modern era of humanity. Now, being a practitioner within the health sector offers much in the way of excitement and fulfillment due to these very points. However, on the flip side, such rapid evolution also offers challenge for systems and individuals to keep up. Well, on today's show, we have a guest who's firmly entrenched within the healthcare industry and knows a thing or two about all of this. Not only that, he has managed to parlay his skills and expertise into something more, which gives him and many others immense satisfaction. All right. Welcome to the show. So Dr. Kyle Trimble is a Buffalo, New York-based physical therapist who's been in practice since his 2013 graduation from D'Youville College with a doctorate in physical therapy and a degree in health services. Working between Pennsylvania and New York, Dr. Kimble has gained extensive knowledge working in various settings, including skilled nursing, outpatient orthopedics, acute care, and home health care. He also holds a certificate in principles of health and medical copywriting. Now, in addition to his professional responsibilities relating to physical therapy, Dr. Trimble has also managed to marry his passion of following pro sports with his extensive healthcare knowledge. He's been writing and speaking for the past five years as an injury analyst, working for a variety of sites covering the NFL, MLB, NBA, and NHL. Furthermore, his work has been referenced by national sports publications, including Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report. He currently runs his own injury website, com, covering the NFL's Buffalo Bills, where he's often called upon by podcasts and radio shows, both locally and nationally, to share his injury takes on players. So with all that said, Kyle, yeah, I've been really looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Chris. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's such a varied background. I mean, like outside of what you do from the nine to five, like this whole other side of of what you're doing and what you're contributing to within that sphere is just really, really compelling. So I'm excited for this talk for a number of reasons. But with that in mind, maybe we can just jump right into it. I do have the first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my guests know, it's a segment where I just read off a definition of what the guest does, or sometimes their industry And I find it's just like a nice jumping off point into the discussion on the actual job for a couple of reasons. Like, one, I think at times one person might hold a title within one region of the world or, you know, within a city, within a country. And the the roles and responsibilities to fulfill could be a little bit different than elsewhere. And then other times, too, I mean, these definitions from Wikipedia sometimes are just flat out off. So... I do have you down here for physical therapists. I know we'll get into the analyst role a little bit later on, if that's all right. Let me just read that off for you. I'm going to forewarn you. It's a bit of a mouthful. I might stumble through this, but I'll, uh, I'll do my best. So here we go. Physical therapist. Physical therapists promote, maintain, or restore health through physical examination, diagnosis, management, prognosis, patient education, physical intervention, rehabilitation, disease prevention, and health promotion. Physical therapists are known as physiotherapists in many countries. In addition to clinical practice, other aspects of physical therapist practice include research, education, consultation, and health administration. In some jurisdictions, such as the UK, physical therapists have the authority to prescribe medication. All right, I did get through that. So first take, what do you think of that?
1: I think it's a fairly comprehensive definition of what a physical therapist is and uh, looks at not just the clinical aspects of it, but just more of the knowledge that comes with being a physical therapist as well.
0: Would there be anything that you would add to uh, the definition? I mean, like you said, it is fairly comprehensive, so that might be a tricky question. But
1: The one thing that comes to mind is advocacy. That's the one thing I can see in there. I don't know that you can to put that into a definition per se. With unique skill set of being a physical therapist, being more one-on-one with these people compared to other healthcare providers, sometimes just More time with that healthcare provider, if it's your primary care doctor, if you go to the hospital, you might be seeing that person for five, 10 minutes at a time, and then you're shuffled off to the next person. With that physical therapist, and you see this with occupational therapy and chiropractic, you get them sometimes for a half hour 45 minutes, an hour, sometimes even longer. Sometimes you work with that person, you get the more deeper connection with that person, which then in turn allows them to help advocate for you if you need, let's say, some principles equipment or let's say you need that referral out to somewhere else or you need somebody that can listen to you and help convey your concerns and thoughts to others who maybe can help you, whether it's surgery or whether it is referrals. But sometimes that role of physical therapists can help, Translate what that person's saying into what that person needs there, and I think that's really important. More important in some different settings than others, but still, it's vitally important. And the physical therapist must understand that in order to help uh, be effective.
0: Hmm, that's a really interesting point, and that's something I think from an outsider's perspective, you'd never consider. Like you just not would would have no idea of that. So I really like that point. I'm glad you uh you were able to throw that in there. In terms of, I guess like. I don't know, like a typical day, typical week for you within the world of physical therapy. We'll start there. And again, we'll get to this analyst role in a second. But in terms of that, how is it for you in that sense?
1: I want to say it's a standard nine to five job, but it's still so much more than that. So I currently home care. So there's a lot of control chaos, as I like to put it. And that's how I talk to people who are not in home care or people that are not um, familiar with PT in general. So there could be days where I have my schedule all planned out and I see five or six people a day. And then it goes off the rails where I got to scramble, drive around, understand and read charts on the fly and come up with interventions or deal with situations that might not necessarily be directly related to what a physical therapies is, but you still have to be the advocate or that. Case manager, if you will, to understand how to drive home what needs to be driven home in terms of whether it's um, education for that person, or have them get to do some type of skill, or get type of services they need. So my nine to five is I might be treating somebody in their home, help them get up as something as simple as getting up and down to help use the toilet or get out of bed, or use the stairs, or just make sure that they're safe in their home, so not tripping over things, or just be simple as helping rehab from a knee and make sure that wound is healing up properly and being the eyes and ears. For that physician or other healthcare team. So, yes, it could be nine to five with some weekends or whatnot. But there's a lot of hats a therapist within a home care setting has to wear. You also see that in outpatient, acute care, nursing home. You have to have a well rounded understanding of what's going on and not just be in that silo PT saying, I got to get this person move and nothing more.
0: Mm, mm, that's really interesting. And you used the word interventions. I'm curious, like, again, from an outsider's perspective. You know what? What does that entail? Like, what what are you referencing there?
1: So the interventions just what your what's part of your plan of care, how you're going to go about getting people better. So it might just be something as, hey, I'm going to try to do these x number of exercises to help get this person build that strength up, or hey, let's try to work on these skills such as uh, body position help get up from the the chair more okay. with less effort, or you might have certain precautions in terms of uh, getting in and out of bed. How can we work around that so you can still get in and out of bed safely and effectively without taking all your energy to just get out of bed and you can't get up and walk or how it can be more safe to get up and down the stairs because a lot of times people want to go up and down the stairs almost running or they kind of just don't think about it now after an injury or you know some type of event on how to do those skills so intervention is a broad term when it comes that stuff
0: okay got it yeah thanks for sharing that in terms of, I guess, the the overall job, too, I, I like how you're kind of painting this like this broad sort of like analysis of it all, because I think, again, like people might just consider it, you know, OK, like looking at somebody's knee, as you referenced, or somebody's elbow and, and servicing or, you know, helping somebody in that sense. But this field can encompass a, a lot more than that, depending on the the provider that you're working for, I suppose. And I I think that just gives a a nice understanding for people who are potentially interested in the the field itself. And also too, it kind of strikes me as well, like when you're referencing all these different things, like the social skills that are probably attached to this as well. Like if you're entering into people's homes, if that's part of your job based on your provider or whatever, you're, you're going to a personal space with people there and, you know, catching them at vulnerable points within their lives as well. So, you know, delicately handling certain issues with them and making them feel comfortable and, and, and you know, given degrees of optimism moving forward as well, you know, I'd imagine that to be a pretty important facet of the job as well.
1: hundred percent. A lot of it's with the education, just understanding why somebody has to do something, what the body part is that they're working on, what they're trying to achieve. A lot of times people just know, hey, I'm at point A, gave me a point C, but they know what's in between, which is point B. And that's where I come in to help them understand why they're doing something because they don't understand why you're doing something you're not going to do it. That's just human behavior. So that's a big one with physical therapists in general.
0: Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, maybe we can slide into a new segment here, Kyle, and it's something called pathways. And my listeners would know that this is about, you know, kind of recognizing that at times, you know, people have these visions. of Okay. I want to end up here. This is the career I'm after, but in order to get there, you know, sometimes it's straight line. Other times there's zigging and zagging left turns, right turns, you name it. Now, I'd be curious about your backstory in terms of that. I mean, were you always interested in this line of work from a young age and just sort of be lined right towards it? Or did you have some, you know, stops along the way? Or
1: uh... It's been an interesting journey, I'll say. So there's there's two parts that I recall being kind of formative of where I came with PT. Because you reached out to me, it was the first one I remembered this one here. So I remember in fourth grade, we had to write an autobiography. And of course, you're at eight, nine years old. There's not a whole lot to about, but I remember it was writing about autobiography, like, kind of where you were at and then where you want to go and things like that. I remember one of the things, I have to go find the book and look back more, but I remember one of the things was working as, like, a trainer or a, something working with athletes in, like, a professional setting. I remember just, I remember drawing up the picture and writing it out and, you know, nine, uh, nine-year-old, you know, wording and whatnot, which isn't yeah. too comprehensive. But I remember that's one of the things that I was, you know, so nine years old, and then I remember the next year I was playing Pee Wee football and I tore my ACL. That was my first exposure to sports medicine. And then I dislocated Eric's knee, I blew up my knee playing soccer when I was a freshman in high school. And then I dislocated my shoulder wrestling when oh, I was geez. a junior.
0: Lots of experience um, there.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I've been through plenty of PT, but I remember yeah. in ninth grade, we're talking about a lot of career exploration. And I remember I could walk, like if you put me in the clinic, I could walk exactly where the room was at where the location of the appointment table and everything else is that. And I remember my mom who was a, who still is a registered nurse, but she was working in Peaks at the time. And so yeah. she's me in for these uh, injuries one night when I, when it happened, but she said, what's your thoughts on being a PT? You're in it right now. You seem to be engaged with it. And <laughs> yeah. that. that yeah. Led to other things later on. So I remember it was that ninth, that nine-year-old moment. Didn't think anything much of it until recently. And then it was that, let's maybe look into being a PT So There was shadowing. I was like, hey, I think I could do this. And so this goes back e 20, 25 years now thinking about that, yeah. which is really crazy to think about.
0: Right, 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 right. Well, that's interesting. Then it sounds like to me that from those experiences, you know whether you knew it at the time or not, was fairly formative in that sense. And then once you got that sort of like vision in your mind, it was more or less that beeline towards the goal. Is that... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. More
1: or less. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a lot of bumps in my grad school, getting the grades, everything else with that. But generally, I think once I set my sight on it, I didn't consider anything else. I wasn't well as one of those ones that change a major or even thought of anything else another being a PT once I got into college.
0: All right. Well, this might be kind of a nice sort of a uh, point in the conversation to kind of like shift on over into this injury analyst role, and you already sort of like lightly spoke about that when you're a child. You know, kind of like well having this vision of working with athletes, and in a sense. So, you know, I'd reference this off the top, some of your work that you're doing for some of these professional sports leagues and, you know, analyzing the is- injuries and speaking with radio hosts, podcasts from all across the country, you know, like how did all of this enter in? And was that sort of a goal or were you pulled into that world? Love to hear that story, that backstory.
1: So I was more or less pulled into it. I'd recently moved up to Buffalo in 2016 to be with my now wife and um, I remember screwing on Twitter and there was this very few uh, Bill's podcast in uh, 2016, one of them being the Rock Power Report, who are uh, run by Drew Gear and Chris Kruger, are now very good friends of mine. But they were talking about AC at the time. And I remember I just tweeted at him and said, Hey, you know, I'm a PT, I know about this stuff. And then yeah. that got his an rolling. and said, Hey, you're a PT, you know about this stuff. You want to come on and, and come on our podcast? I was like, Sure, why not? And then I kind of forgot about this stuff. Like, I, it was like a one off right. thing. And I started right. playing around with the idea, of, like, is there content out there for this stuff that people want this? And I remember I was hmm. satisfied with the level of attention to detail with the injuries. Like you get like, oh, I was a knee or elbow, but like, okay, right. what is it? How long am I going to miss? I like just was not that, that depth there. And of course, talking to a lot of the sports reporters and understanding their backgrounds, most of them don't have that depth. They're good at conveying what the information is. They don't necessarily always understand the context band and that's not their role to do that. Yeah. So I said, what's, what's my thoughts on this? And there really wasn't a ton of people out there doing this already. Mm-hmm. Pro football, doctor, Dr. David Chow, who I'm affiliated with, he has started doing that, but he was still very early on. There's a few others that were kind of just, it was still very formative yeah. um, really with that. So I played play around with the idea. I reached out to two different outlets and I kind of got rebuffed. I, they, did. I don't know if they didn't see the value or didn't want to put the effort into it. I, mm-hmm. I got ghosted. So I was like, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my own thing. So yeah. I looked do that and found a WordPress uh, site, got that going and just started putting out content. And um looking back, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest content, but you gotta start somewhere. It just kind of led to more and more opportunities. So I've been doing that since the 2017 season and now it's you know 2022 and it's quite it's built up into something pretty cool and there's been a lot of cool yeah. opportunities and experiences all along the way there.
0: Yeah, 100%. And you're in the right market for it, too. I mean, you have a fan base that just devours content 24-7, 365 days a year. you know, even out of the season as well, people are always kind of interested in what the club is doing. I'm referencing, of course, here the Buffalo Bills. So you have people that are just desperate for this information. They want to know when this player is going to be back in the lineup. They want to know why he's not in the lineup right now. What's the prognosis? What are we looking at here? And the clubs themselves, I might add, you know, pro sports clubs usually are pretty hush hush on this stuff for sometimes competitive reasons, for various reasons. So there's not a lot of information coming out. So somebody like yourself who's filling that gap, and when I say this too for people who aren't familiar, like Kyle's getting into it, like analyzing tape and looking at the breakdown of where potential injuries could have occurred, and then giving uh, you know analysis based off of this. Okay, well if it's this, then probably we're looking at this time frame for recovery. And people love it. People want to know, like even for myself, I'm a Bills fan too, you know, like listen to this pod might know I've had some guests on that are affiliated in some sense to this, uh, to this market and to this team. And yeah, I mean, I love your, uh, your, your content. It's kind of how I sort of like discovered you here and why we're having this conversation really. You no. Know? So I think, yeah, definitely. You found this little niche here and and it's, it's developing. And, uh, you know, like I know we we're going to get into it later in terms of the demands and everything else, but, uh, yeah, really, really fascinating stuff in the course of running this program. The people that are like finding these other, I don't know, elements to their job, wearing these different hats are finding different degrees of satisfaction. And I would suspect, you know, that, that you're probably gaining this as well from, from all that you're doing from one, like the the PT work, but then also this other side, this other world that you're you know, living within Onto something here or not? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but
1: no, no, you certainly are. Um, I've always enjoyed writing. um, That goes back once again quite a ways, and I never really considered that a real career choice. Or it it, just—I don't know. PT was always the first thing, so that's why I kind of grabbed the sports and whatnot. But the writing was always kind of there. I remember writing a little bit in high school and then um, in college for the school newspaper. Just it was always kind of there. And I remember when I dislocated my shoulder during my junior year of high school, I had had to miss the entire season. And then I ended up tearing out the shoulder again in my senior year. So I really kind of was like, oh, God, the last two years, but I had done this thing called Academic Decathlon through my entire four years. And I can't remember what drew me to that, but I, I did it. I didn't put as much effort into it as, as I should. But I remember our team was pretty good to the point where we were certain places of competitions locally. And then we got to the point where it was regionals and we all did well enough as a whole that we got to the state competition down at State College mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. And at that point, we're like, okay, we're not going any farther. Like, we got as far as we're going to get. So, I and I, I took the test and did what I had to do. But there's a writing thing with that. And I remember, it was how do you compare the rise of the internet comparative to uh, Johann Gutenberg's printing press? So I just I wrote out my thoughts, whatnot, it, And then I got my score back, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And I didn't think I'd place anything at it, but I told totally even told my parents, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna get metal. Don't worry about. It. Go home. And I've taken her up in the whole state for this this competition that kind of decathlon so yeah. the writing has been there and it's just kind of always mm. growing and you kind of put it in the context of the professional aspect of the pt and you keep just building off it but it helps with communication yeah. with pt and just everything else so it's it's just kind of always been there and it's just always been fun and helped bring it into the injury analysis space
0: well let's uh, jump on over into another segment of q a discovery and kind of just continue this back and forth and I'd like to kind of continue on with this point. You know, the, these two worlds that you're part of—the PT work—and then also, you know, the injury analysis. Like, seemingly they're are two very different worlds. Obviously, the PT stuff—you're doing it. You know, you're, you're you're checking people out in person. You know, you're you're examining them, giving treatment options, and then obviously the the injury analysis is. You know, it's more speculative. All you have is the tape, essentially. And you're kind of like looking at it and doing the best you can do. And like, well, it's probably this. And based off the limited information you're getting from the clubs, all right, well, then it, it could be this, this or this. Again, very different. Um, but and also in terms of, you know, the the probably the challenges of both very different, but also the rewards of, of each might be uh, unique in that sense. Maybe you could speak to those points as well.
1: So you talked about, you know, we're actually diagnosed people or at least looking at them in person and then trying to go off the tape and whatnot. Yeah. We're kind of like an art, though. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you get a ton of information on tape. It's like, okay, that's pretty straightforward. That's the injury. The team is stating as such. And then you can kind of formulate a pretty quick timeline. You saw that with yeah. uh Vollerder, to a certain extent with his ACL once they knew right. what was going on. But even in person, you know, sitting down with somebody – you know, maybe just interviewing for the first time or talk about what they're going, what they're going through. Sometimes there's some cognitive deficits that, will, that prevent them from communicating effectively, or sometimes they say, hey, I have this problem, I don't know what's going on. And I don't know how to tell you to fix it. And sometimes trying to interpret what's going on or what clues you can look at. So sometimes you can get a pretty idea what is going on just by either looking at the person out of the moving or mm-hmm. ask questions off of that. And then there is some speculation with that but then speculation can lead to you looking up certain stuff say okay if they're doing this this and this maybe it can be this and then that kind of leads you other stuff there so you can kind of do the same thing with mm. you know, the in-person assessments or video assessment the the mm. difference is that i can dig in a little bit further with the in-person versus the the video but either way you get a pretty good idea and you can say hey this or this and the only thing that's going to change your mind is new information of course that can happen in any situation any given field right.
0: Yeah. It sounds like to me, like this, this element of puzzling things out is kind of like the, the sort of broad sort of, you know, concept mm-hmm. that, but, you know, connects both worlds essentially. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting to say it, to say the least. In terms of another question here, and this one's more closely aligned to, I think just your, your work within PT, you know, I have imagery. And again, from an outsider's perspective, imagery and like thoughts towards this field as being, a lot of newness, whether it's newness in perhaps techniques, new research, new research findings that might, you know, guide people like yourself down different paths in terms of diagnosing, uh, working with people. I'm guessing there's a lot to keep up with because the day and age that we're living within, obviously, like there's tons of research that seemingly that's coming out constantly, you know, better, more efficient ways of, of serving people. Now am I into something here or is that is, is that a bit of a challenge within the line of work that you're doing or or not so much is it not as as quick as what I'm sort of insinuating here
1: Uh yes and no it depends on the setting um you don't see you don't see changes happen immediately cuz a lot of times those changes that want to happen usually have to be backed by research so people are digging into the stuff so you might hear about a new technique and then to be um validated through the research or or tested uh Sometimes it just goes back to knowing the basics, understanding, you know, what you're trying to do with that person. You're not necessarily trying to find the latest and greatest to get that person better. Sometimes you have to go back to the basics, which is you see in any industry that sometimes the basics work because they're the basics for a reason. They're they're not necessarily easy, but if you if you master those, you can then apply the higher level stuff or that knowledge to what you're doing later on and make it more efficient or effective and whatnot. So yeah, there is a lot of advancements over the years. You find certain interventions um, don't work as efficiently as they used to, or not they thought they did, or sometimes they they get a second you know second wind, if you will, and they sometimes come back around. People are like, ah, oh, I like that idea. Maybe after it kind of fall in that favor. Um, so there's a lot of newness, and I think that's how you keep the the profession fresh. And um, you know, you just want new ideas in order to find better ways to do something. But at the end of the day, you can't always take that new idea and think it's the only way to do things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I'm guessing like when you were just speaking of is probably like considering this information as something that's going to possibly at best accentuate what you're already doing. Maybe you're know, adding value in that sense rather than replacing actual. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, maybe we could return back to the injury analysis roles that you're fulfilling. And again, I alluded to this earlier. I'm guessing that at this point now, you know, some of this is starting to to eat into your time. Like there's some demands and people are are having of you. like they want more. They want more. And and for those who don't know, I mean, uh, and who don't follow NFL football as deeply as what, you know, Kyle or I might. You know, one of the star players for this Buffalo Bills club recently, you know, uh, was injured. And for a little while there, there was a lot of speculation about what this injury was. And he's a star player. His impact is felt. And people wanted to know, like, what is going on with them? The, the club was not putting out a ton of information. There wasn't a lot out there. And yeah, like the, the, the demand was there I mean, the demand was there. And you can speak to this point better than I can. But how this all, again, fits into this world of what you're already doing. Like, How do you manage this? And maybe you could speak to all of these points if, if you wouldn't mind.
1: I question that myself. How do I how do it I do? I do? <laughs> um, yeah. I think over the years, if I had tried starting this this year, it wouldn't be successful. I think just yeah. I think starting when it did helps me get better with time management, understanding what the goal of the writing is because like you could just write and write and write and you get yeah. so technical where like I, I lose you. So sometimes you have to understand what you're trying to convey and people what people are looking for too. They don't necessarily need to know the anatomy. I think it's important to know it, but they. They, they want to know how long it'll be out, how long is this going to impact them for, and what's the timeline going to be like, and if they're going to be the same person coming back. So yeah. I think getting better with that, more writing over time leads you to be more efficient, and then it allows me mm-hmm. to uh, get the right information out there with greater accuracy, and then people consume it faster. There, and I'll tell you that my site has done very well this year, uh, much to the chagrin uh, of the the Bills team being so injured, but it's people yeah. want that information, and. Mm-hmm. I look at it as maybe 10, 15 hours a week or something like that, but I'm doing early morning, late at night, during my lunches. Uh, you just try to fan in when you can, but it's all about time management, understanding what's important to talk about, when it's important to talk about, and what's worth talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, true enough. And it's not just the writing, right? Like, I mean, I could reference this off the top. Like, you're being called upon by radio shows, podcasts, again, locally and then nationally as well, you know, to contribute – and to fill in the gaps of knowledge for listeners, for all these other programs as well. So it's not just the writing, like you're you're balancing scheduling as well. And of course, you you know, preparing, being ready for some of these talks and what can be asked of you. I mean, there's certain demands there that are a little bit different than the writing, I would suppose, too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's all about trying to approach my wife with the best way to, hey, can I go on this podcast? Or, hey, can I do this? <laughs> And there requires some level of flexibility from that podcast host and on that, yeah. you know, I have kids, I have a full time job, everything else goes into that. So just understanding, yeah. hey, this is flexible for me, I could do it this time yeah. and you try to make it work the best you can. And um, yeah. more often, not, most people are pretty good about understanding the schedule because yeah. it's either say I'm going to be flexible or no.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, in terms of the rewards of doing all of this, what what are you deriving from all of this? I can guess, I can speculate here, but, uh, you know, I'd love to hear from you.
1: It's really cool to see that how many people want to consume the information, how much appreciate the information, not just the information, but the accuracy and attention detail. I really try to make sure I put forth an effort to do that there. Because I mean, anybody could just put a guy towards ACL or, oh, he broke his arm or whatever. But okay, why, you know, what's the why behind it? How did it happen? And what's this timeline going to look? And I think people want that full picture. And they might not read the whole article, and i don't I don't necessarily need them to, but I want them to know that, hey, if they're looking for the information, it's gonna be there and it's gonna be accurate. I find it satisfying that people seek out the information. Um it is cool to see I mean people uh, read my site. It, it's humbling looking at the numbers and like, oh holy cow. like if you told me what my what the traffic would be like now, everyone I start in 2016, I, I wouldn't have believed you. so, having the opportunities um that I've gotten. I met so many cool people your Thurman Thomas a few years ago, uh Hall of Fame running back for the Bills. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Professional athletes, uh, because of this. It's just sometimes it's the experiences more like I can hold on to those forever and say, man, I got to do that because of
0: mm. this. Stuff. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean it's a different level of fulfillment, really. You know, yeah. the neat thing is you're tying these two worlds together, things that you have passions for, right? I mean you the work that you're doing within PT and then obviously that your sports fandom, you know, bring these two worlds together and and deriving some degree of satisfaction from both and how they're intermixing at times. Yeah. How can that not be a rewarding experience? So I totally get that. Yeah. You know, may, maybe this is a kind of a nice point to, uh, to jump into this next segment, a water cooler story segment. And hereby, you know, this is where I just ask guests to indulge listeners with a story relating to their profession. So I'd love to hear what you have for us today.
1: I share two one? Is that
0: possible? Yeah, go for it. Sure. All
1: right. So uh, two of them, I, I had a gentleman who was um, a very obese individual. He's 400 pounds plus, And you do have that in, in healthcare. People getting bigger and bigger. But I remember he had osteomyelitis of his foot and he was stuck in the nursing home, managed to get home through different means and whatnot there. But then he couldn't walk and move around his home as he once did. So he had to have a variety of different pieces of equipment and um, really had to modify his lifestyle. And his goal was, and use his bathroom again and walk around. And it took us a better part of two years to get him up and going again. But it was really cool seeing somebody who was totally dependent, not be able to move around, do anything for himself other than maybe feed himself and brush his teeth and whatnot to get up with the proper equipment and tools to get at least move around his apartment and have some level of independence back. And that was really cool. And I look back at that and say, man, I, I helped that individual do that. That was really I get goosebumps thinking about that because I know that he benefited so much from just me taking the time to work with him. And I remember insurance tried shutting things off at one point and you always have to justify in your notes why you're doing something you're doing. But he was this example of saying, Hey, this might take time, but it can get there if you give it time. And I'm glad I did because he had a better quality of life, um, you know, as, as he got moving on there. Uh, and then the second one was more recent. I had a um, female who was in her late twenties who um, had a chronic health issue but it also got COVID and then as a result got some blood clots and the lungs there. So she was really struggling, had been on oxygen for a little bit, and her goal was to get off the oxygen and resume being what a, you know, that young 20-some person was like. So I remember her getting just really winded doing standing marches, and we are just trying to tailor a program to help wean her off this oxygen and get her moving around more and every week we just saw a little more progress and her doctor was really good saying hey we can bring the oxygen down with his permission we change the orders and then increase her activity level and it was just like she was real motivated and she was willing to put the work in and so i just threw everything i could including the kitchen sink yeah. at her and i remember i started with her in march i discharged her i think in late april may and she was running down her sidewalk and it was like 200 feet 250 but yeah. you get this person who couldn't Mar- couldn't even do say marches without getting, you know, super exhausted mm. street at the end. I was like, all right, I didn't do the work, but she did the work, but I helped guide her that. And I, yeah. I once again, goosebumps on those and just really cool thing about how my knowledge helped get these people back up to a level of independence and personal satisfaction.
0: hundred percent, hundred percent. And as I was looking at both stories, I mean like what, what was jogging through my mind is like, you're, you're changing people's lives. You know, really at the, at the core of it, you know, you're changing their life, their trajectory of their life in that moment, which obviously you're meeting them at a really, I referenced this earlier, like at a really vulnerable point, a really challenging point in their lives. And, you know, which can continue on that course without interventions, as you said earlier, or, you know, it can go the opposite way. If you have skilled practitioners like yourself, we're able to guide them and put them back on a track where they can, you know, lead fulfilling lives and uh, and get back to to living, right? So, I mean... Yeah. How can that not give you goosebumps at times? Like you're really impacting somebody's life and uh, you know, how they, you know, how they're functioning within the world. So yeah, totally, totally. I can definitely, you know, appreciate that fact and what you're sharing there. So great. Okay. Well, we are moving on a pretty nice clip here and we're, you know, heading around the bend into the last segment, a crystal ball segment, as the name implies, we're usually looking at future trends predictions, so on and so forth. And, Within this field of PT, we've been spoken, speaking about it extensively, and I'd like to know where you think it's heading. I mean, right now, at the age that we're within, it's like this digital digitalization of everything, right? And we've spoken at this point already, you know, in terms of analyzing injuries, you know, maybe in person or via video. I'd be curious about where the industry is heading. And also, a second part of this question, could you ever envision, maybe this is happening already, but could you ever envision where some of this is taking part 100% remotely?
1: So the PTE field is fully evolving and to kind of answer part of the second question already, it is. Um, I've dabbled mm-hmm. in some digital health. I know that's been the big push with that ever since COVID. Sometimes people want the assistance of a trained professional that they can listen to hear what's going on, but sometimes don't have the ability or the time to go out and take care of that stuff. So there's mm-hmm. been a lot of advances to help take care of that. So uh, I think the question's already been answered. Yes, there are in digital aspect with that, which makes it easier to hit those rural communities or people who, you know, work that nine to five and can't get to a clinic or, you know, the co-pays are expensive or, you know, there's a lot of different things that play into that there. So it continues to evolve. And I think where it also evolves too is the independence with physical therapy itself. Right now, we're part of the allied health, so we, we rely on the referral model. Um, mm-hmm. It's starting to get but traditionally, you get that referral from doctor to go to PT, then it's covered through insurance, somebody visits, co It's it's all just, it's a mess right now, and anybody in healthcare will tell you that. But there's a push for autonomy, that's why the profession is now a doctorate, and there's a lot of states that allow direct access, which means you can go see that physical therapist without a prescription, without a referral, and then see them. There's certain checks and balances after some time, you can't see the person definitely. But this allows more autonomy because sometimes if you go see a person for a PT for an ankle sprain, sometimes you get taken care of in three weeks and you're not having to go through Mm -hmm. your doctor and then get x-rays and maybe get some medication and then then maybe get the PT and then you're stretching it out. It's like sometimes you can take care of the problem faster. So Mm -hmm. just down some of that red tape and allowing PTs to be more independent practitioners, if you will, um, that's one of the big things I want to see happen. And it is happening. It just had a very slow slip like I mentioned earlier. I think that's the biggest thing is just the autonomy and then just having people better understand what we do. Uh, PT has never been great about marketing or at least having mm-hmm. people understand what um social media has helped with that, understanding yeah. what you're looking at. But I think people have to understand that PTs could be on that primary care line. You don't have to go to the doctor for everything, yeah. go to your PT or practice. Uh, so the more you ha- can have your people to go to, I think the better and more efficiently you can get your problems treated.
0: OK, excellent. Well, hopefully, you know, through conversations like this, we're able to, uh, to to get it out there and give people a better understanding of you know what your work truly is all about. All right. Well, I do have one more question, actually, within this segment. And again, we're going like to jump back into the, the world of injury analysis within pro sports and whatnot. And we have this, you know, the NFL, which primarily you've been uh, involved with, again, with uh, the Buffalo Bills in terms of your analysis of the players and having this website devoted to that. And this being this multi-billion dollar industry, you know, you have sports betting sites that are, are definitely out there. You have fantasy sports leagues, which all, you know, are kind of like built on player performance. And obviously player performance is going to be affected by injuries. Now, I do understand that you've fulfilled some different roles when it comes to sports betting, fantasy sites already. I'd be curious about where you see all of this going, this side of, you know, your passion. Could you ever foresee a point at which, like, this world, this world of like injury analysis takes over your PT work. Or would you even want that to occur or or not? I'd love to hear your insights on that.
1: I could definitely see it. I I like the idea of doing that. I like writing. I like using my PT degree for the writing. I like like yeah. talking about it. I could hundred percent see that happening. And I know that some people like Stefania Bell of ESPN have have done that. Mm-hmm. And I know the success stories where people are doing that full time and it's yeah quite taken hold. I'm not saying that every network has to have an injury analyst, but you're seeing there's a need for that. I mean, mm, people Twitter, want Twitter. Yeah, they do. And the sports betting stuff, I just, you know, we're going back to the pro football doc that I'm affiliated with. So what I do is I do injury spotting for him. So um I'll be watching Bill's game and, and say Josh Allen's injured, Von Miller's injured, and he'll go to the video and you know so he kind of him and I mirror what we do, but then he goes into it differently with the sports bettings, things like that, where he's kind of evolved into but that can affect the lines, you know, if mm. the starting quarterback's not playing, that can definitely 100%. affect, you. yeah. So like there's a lot into that. I've done sports betting myself with the, I, I'm not, I don't bet on sports really. I might throw some money down here and there, but I'm not heavily into that. But right. like that, when I was in that role, you could definitely find an advantage with the injuries and, and take the line that would be appropriate. And I think mm. sometimes the, the downside was that you try to look at it from a more emotional standpoint, which is never good. But when you look at it from an analytical side, there is a clear advantage of that stuff. So I I would love to do this full time. I can see myself transitioning that, you know, that could be the next chapter of my life. I don't Mm -hmm. think I'd ever But being a PT, but doing that, I wouldn't be giving up being a PT. That's right. Positioning. So uh, if anybody's out there hiring, (laughs) call me, you know, I'm not hard to find on on social media, but I think the industry is lending itself toward that to begin with. So it maybe if you just position yourself to be Mm -hmm. people in that area, no one's going to, ask you to do this stuff because you're PT. It's because you put yourself out there or display some knowledge that sets you apart from everybody else that allows you to maybe move into a full-time role or something more dynamic than maybe what you're doing right now.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good point that you raise there, too. I mean, like you're not abandoning one, two are, you know, inextricably connected anyway. So it's just an evolution of how you're putting that information out or how you're assisting people. It's just a different avenue or different pathway, essentially. So yeah, totally, I could see that. All right. Well, I mean, I feel like we just blasted through this talk, Kyle, and it's been such a, a true pleasure, you know, enjoyed learning a little bit more about your field and, and all that you do. And, uh, you know, the these two worlds that you're involved in, uh, I think it's just you know utterly compelling. So I thank you immensely for your time today.
1: Thanks. I've, I've had a great time. It's just amazing how quickly the time has gone because it's just, it, I enjoy talking about this. I hope that showed in yeah. my discussion and yeah. um, I could talk for another hour. My wife wouldn't like that, but you know, <laughs> I, I do enjoy this stuff. I, I, it gets me up in the morning and it, it's fun to, to marry those two professions or at least the two ideas into something that, like, that gives me some pleasure.
0: Yeah, great. Well, I think it's always a mark of a good conversation when they fly by like this. So thanks again. Well, for those interested in learning more about Kyle and his work, you can check him out via his website, bangedupbills.com. And also you can find him on a lot of the different social channels. He's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, at bangedupbills. He also has weekly appearances on the Locked On Bills show with NFL Network analyst Joe Marino. Further, you can find him on Buffalo Late Night, a show part of the Buffalo Rumblings series. And lastly, he's also contributing written and video content for Cover One. And of course, if you like today's show, please be sure to share. I mean, that certainly helps. It goes a long way. So you can also rate, review and subscribe wherever you access your podcast. And then head on over to YouTube. In the last year, I did launch a channel over there which hosts video conversations. And the cool thing is we will have some imagery associated with the talk. So you can kind of take it in in a different manner. And if you do go over there, hey, I just launched that in the last year. You know, I appreciate the love. You know, hit that subscribe button. You know, hit the like buttons for these episodes. And then finally, don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.